welcome to Mutual Victory, friends, or as I think I'm going to start calling it, Thursday Mojo. Thursday Mojo. <laughs> yeah, I had this epiphany on the ride home tonight. You did? Yeah. How come? Because you said you wanted. Because you said something about talking about FOMO, mm. and it's our initials. No, it's not. Mo. Jomo. <laughs> wow. Ojmo. Ojmo. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like Mojo. Thursday Mojo. Thursday Mojo. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little dose of your, well, I mean, yeah. If people are listening to it on Thursday, it's their dose of Thursday mojo. Right. Maybe they're saving it for the weekend. I don't know. Maybe it's the weekend (laughs) mojo. (laughs) So we have to get right to it. We got to talk about something important. Very important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Archetypes. Something that isn't often talked about. In regards to masculine energy, like I think we talk about, at least in the world I live in, we talk about (laughs) feminine archetypes quite a bit. Well, the world I live in, we don't really either. I only know of them because of you. Yes. Sort of. I mean, some of them, some of the female ones, I recognize the name, like Maiden. Yeah. And what's the other ones? Mother. Yeah, I've heard of that one too. Mm, That's good. (laughs) crone is one that sounds insulting well that's because we have a cultural you know issue with aging yeah i think of robin hood alan rickman (laughs) that's my wife crone that's my wife crone (laughs) what's the other one well it depends it's either well sometimes crone is called wise woman because people get all that sounds way better right uh, and the other one is Enchantress. Oh, that sounds even better than the one before. Or Wild Woman, but that comes Oof. before Crone. So it goes yeah. Maiden, Mother, Enchantress, mm. Wise Enchantress woman. is like, oh, okay. After Mother, but not before Maiden. So if you if I had to guess which one, if I had to put those in order, I probably would have put Enchantress first. Right. Maybe not with Maiden. Maybe I definitely would have put in it prob- put it probably second. Before being a mother. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, and I wonder too, because like, you know, culturally these things shift. Like if you look at things that were written 200 years ago, they're going to talk about Maiden, Mother, Crone. Mm. Because once you were beyond childbearing years... Not you a lot were, for you to do, huh? You were in your crone, and <laughs> but I'm 32, and your your lifespan probably wasn't that mm, long at true. that point, and yeah. now we have a longer lifespan. So yeah. it's like we move from maiden into mother, into enchantress, mm, into wise woman. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I don't know anything about those, which leads me to believe I probably should. Hmm. Well, I mean, and how they complement the masculine archetypes, which is what we're going to talk about today, because if you don't know about feminine archetypes, you definitely don't know about masculine. Yeah, yeah. The only archetypes I really was familiar with, I guess, would be like hero's journey archetypes. Right. And that I don't even know if they're actually like officially what we would call archetypes or if like I just made them up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't know. But the man ones, the dude archetypes. Or masculine. Masculine. Yeah, it's probably. <laughs> For people who don't identify as dude, but maybe identify as having more masculine energy than feminine energy. Yeah. And 
I did you hear about you knew about these four beforehand before like this book that you we found and I read? Um the one that I didn't really think of as being an archetype was magician. Really? Yeah, I mean like I guess that's it, it just wasn't like a a term that I heard mm. of like oh, you know, man yeah. is very clearly in his magician archetype like there's a lot of emphasis on warrior right and there's a lot of emphasis on king yeah now if you once you read about the magician i was like oh i know this archetype i just heard different names for it. It it's called other things right but not knowing that it means like magician in this context so why don't you start with naming the four well the four archetypes are the king the warrior the magician and the lover. The lover. Why? Why is it important to know about these? Hello, my lover. <laughs> What's the big like? Why is it important for men and women to know about these archetypes? Because I think I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, I think in the context of being in partnership, it is particularly useful to understand how archetypes play out. Um, it's probably not a mystery when we think about how when we're dating someone, mm. we tend to bring the light aspects of the archetypes we enjoy the most about ourselves to the table. Mm. We don't tend to show up with our shadow archetypes. Right. Um, and when the other archetypes do start to show up or as we start to shift and grow with just life moving on, um, it can be a context to, to be able to understand our partners changing and Mm. shifting and, you know, stepping into different aspects of themselves. And, and also that like we get to witness our person, our people, you know, this is also accurate about friendships, I think Mm. too. And, um, we get to witness them in a full range of how they express themselves. You know, they they aren't two-dimensional beings. They aren't, you know, moving in a linear path. And that's why I would think. Why do you mm. think that they're useful for people to know? Well, I didn't really... Hearing you talk about the female archetypes, and I've heard you teach about them... Uh, the female ones. So I was kind of aware of what they were, but like, I'm more interested to know more about them and like what I don't say behaviors or what kind of things are present for each type. And it's interesting to kind of like, Oh, I've seen this. I've seen you exercise this archetype and it looks like that when you do this thing. And that's like you said, interesting for your person to kind of see and witness and know, and it's good for like self awareness. You Mm -hmm. know, I think it's, I think it's good, especially because, I mean, you mentioned shadow type. Like, eat, there are four archetypes. Each one, each one, okay, there's several components. I guess we'll bring up the components of each one. For each of the archetypes, there is like a mature, like a man energy and a boy energy. And within that, there is the, you guess I would say positive aspect of that and the shadow aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And in the shadow, there is a positive and negative, which just means 
active or passive. Mm-hmm. So is the behavior like something they are doing or is this kind of behavior a habit? A habit or like almost like a reaction to things instead of an action to things. So there's like a lot of different components. It's almost like Enneagram and then the wings and then right. the triads and stuff. So there's many layers to it, which is cool. It's not just like, what well, here's this type. And yeah. this type means this and that's all. Like there's there's layers to it and it's cool. Um, so for example, do we want to start? Like which one should we start with? Yeah. And, and before we start though, like, isn't it true and I did not read this book, by the way. This book is called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. It's by Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette. And I did not. And you talked a lot about the book yeah. while you were reading it. So um, I have a vague memory of something along the lines of a mature person mm-hmm. with predominant masculine energy will have grown through all of these archetypes and have kind of reached a, I'm just going to use the word mastery Mm. or, you know, this certain balanced level Mm -hmm. of each one. And that is a, you know, a well-balanced, well-adjusted adult masculine. Yeah. Well, it's more like there's like, if you think of like the, the man energy and the boy energy as like two separate pyramids, the way like the book kind of illustrates it. Mm -hmm. And, at the top of the pyramid is like, so for example, the man is the king. And that's like, when you are living in your king, you know, that's the most optimal. Like you've re- you've done these, you have more positive behaviors, you're more grown. And then you think like the two sides of the triangle going down, those are the shadow. Okay. And the shadow is either, again, positive or negative. So for example. So let's just start with king. Let's start with king. Okay. Do you want to start with the boy or the, the man or the boy energy? Let's start with the immature energy. Immature boy king. Now, the like the positive is the it's called the divine child, and this is like the way the authors describe it as like now like so let's see I've thought of like fictional characters uh-huh. or characters that go like to help best that I that can associate and right. describe these and like Harry Potter. Kind, yes, um, right. I even said Moses. Or the Moses. book. The book says Jesus because, like, divine the, child. In the yeah, the divine child is like there is this connection to the higher, this connection with like nature and surroundings that is mm-hmm. like unexplainable because it's a child and so young, the seemingly like imperceptible. Like, there's something about this kid that mm-hmm. like he's very in commune with the surroundings, very in commune with like self, and is very inquisitive and very peaceful. Very at ease, you know what I mean? So yep. it's like very uh, effortless level of peace and serenity. Mm-hmm. So like, it's hard to say Harry Potter because like, we don't really see him as a baby. I mean, like he's delivered to the Dursleys and then we see him right as a child. Yeah. Which we could bring up his like year one self in one of these archetypes as we get there. So Divine Child is the immature... Version of the king. The immature king. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And immature just meaning young. Yeah. Um, Now, there's two. The the shadow parts of the inner child, the divine child, is the high chair tyrant. Yes. And the weakling prince. Now, the high chair tyrant is the 
quote positive because it is the more aggressive, more mm. like, and then the weakling prince has more passive, passive qualities. Yeah, active and passive. I think is the way. Yeah, active and passive sounds better than positive negative. Yeah. So like the high chair tyrant. I mean, think of the Donald baby. Trump. <laughs> yeah, think of like literally this, <laughs> the baby in the high chair. You know, slamming for attention. The universe revolves around them. Yeah, their needs are the demanding only ones. temper tantrum. Yeah, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, I thought of like, like emperors like Nero, mm. where it's like, or any other emperor leader, where it is about self before whomever they are serving. Right. You know what I mean? Something like yeah. that. Narcissism. Um, narcissism. Mm-hmm. Arrogant power for power's sake. Yep. You know, kind of like. If I'm no longer going to be the leader of this thing, I'm going to burn it down. Yeah. When I go out the door, kind of, kind of energy and attitude. Weakling Prince is more of like helpless, mm. um, like, like Louis the Fourteenth. Yeah, kind of helpless, whiny, yeah. manipulative kind of way. Or the um, the character of the boy in the Secret Garden. I don't remember that one good enough. That? No. Yeah, he was like. Um, technically considered you know the master of the house or whatever but he was very whiny and sickly and um the mother was very overprotective and or you know what you as you're saying this i'm thinking of augustus klump and charlie and the chocolate factory augustus gloop 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 augustus gloop augustus gloop whereas like veruca salt might be the the high chair tyrant Mm -hmm. where it's like i want it now yeah kind of thing yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the boy. Now, for the the mature energy of the king, of course, is the king. It's like the what you want to attain. So what if I say like this is like bringing order to chaos? King of Richard thing. the Lionheart. Oh, as depicted in the movies. As depicted in the movies, because who the fuck actually knows what he was doing? Well, he was. Yeah, he was. He was not like. He was. I mean, we could find the ar- the archetype he's in. He's not like the enlightened, no, king, grounded I mean, crusades. king. Well, yeah, it's more like, hey, this, this is going to be fun. Like, I am the lion hearted. I'm mm-hmm. going to go and you know, bravery. Yeah, it's all that. Stuff. Yeah. So, but either fictional or actual, like bringing order, also with like fertility and blessings. Now, this is kind of like venturing into the realm of like when that was being taken away from like the feminine archetype uh-huh. or like adding that to the masculine archetype, but like abundance within the kingdom, so to speak, mm-hmm. and not just for the self, but for the greater kind of community. That was shifted over into an attribute of like the divine king. Yeah. So like also like, so who, who do you think of kings fictional or I it's, it's going to be really hard for me to find one that's not in his shadow. Really? Yeah. I think of Aragorn. Oh, fictional. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fictional. Aragorn. Totally. hundred yeah. percent. Right. Totally grounded. The king. The king. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally grounded. Um, I always like the part in the book that it's in the book and it's in the extended movie, where like the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. Like he has yeah. a, a very, a big part in the houses of healing after, the battles of Pelennor Fields, where he is like, do all like doing like the laying on of hands and helping doing Reiki. Yeah, yes, he's doing Middle Earth Reiki. Reiki. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but it's about like being st- stable, stability, being grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the qualities of 
the king. You know, not necessarily, we think king, we think like ruler of the realm, but like in this context of archetype, it's stable, it's grounded, it's calm. It's taking action when action is needed and doing so. For the good of all. Yeah. Rather than right. a selfish or a an egotistical motivation of being great or yeah. being the best or yeah. being revered in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the two shadow parts of the king are the tyrant and the weakling. Mm. So, like, for tyrant, this is like all energy is destructive, not creative. Mm-hmm. You know, any other instance where, like, you know, the king will make war on the sons for the sake of retaining power instead of, like, building up the sons and teaching the sons. It's like maintaining power for power's sake because if I can't have it, no one else can kind right. of thing, you know. Yeah. And I think of, we just watched Ten Commandments. Yeah. <laughs> and Ramses. Ramses. Like, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, he's thinking of Ramses. Yeah, because yeah. in the movie, Ramses is very like, you know, I don't care about you, Moses. I'm going to hold on to these slaves just because I want to. And even after all the plagues, it's like, I'm still mm-hmm. going to do it. Now it's just a matter of pride because I'm not going to be the weak king. I'm going to maintain my power. Mm-hmm. And it may cost the whole kingdom to keep it. And then it was only after, you know, like the firstborn of the whole kingdom, then it's like, okay, fine, I guess I'll relent. But even then it wasn't right. the end of that story, you know? Right. Yeah. Who's the king? Um, is it, was it in Game of Thrones? Mm, I have a Game of Thrones example. Where was there was the young boy king? Yeah, Joffrey. But, no. I don't think it was Joffrey. Okay. Uh where maybe their father was still alive, but barely. Did I make this up? Maybe. Meh. Okay. Never mind. But like, I did think of, it's in the show a little bit. And if you read the book, it's the basically the king right before the king that's in the story. Like when the story starts, the king is Robert. And he became the king through like Robert's rebellion. Mm-hmm. And he overthrew a king called King Ares. And this is like when Jamie Lannister is called the Kingslayer. Mm. He is the Kingslayer because he killed King Ares. And he was like called the Mad King. Like, and he was the one that was like, you know, my enemies are all around me. And he was very paranoid. Mm. He's like, okay, this is like, there's wildfire all throughout the capital. I'm going to burn it down. Literally just burn the whole thing down. Yeah. That's why I like, Ugh. that's why Jamie is like, um, you have to die. I'm the, mm-hmm. <laughs> you literally want to burn down the kingdom. So you can't do this. So he does that, helps Robert win, and then is labeled the Kingslayer. And then it, that the term is almost thrown around as an insult yeah. to him the whole time. I think of Louis the Fourteenth. I think of Francis, King Francis. Francis? I need more. I know. I know I'm totally dry. Uh, I mean, King of France mm, in the 17th century. Fuck, man. 1600s? 1600s. Uh, whoever was the son of Catherine de' Medici. Do you remember? No. I remember it sort of from that show Rain that you really like to watch. I love that show. <laughs> I forgot about that show. Yeah. Is it still on? I don't think so. No. They were like, no, we're done with this show. <laughs> but like the idea of like the weakling king is like, 
paranoid, you know, lacking the calmness and the centeredness. That, oh, my bad. It was the 15th century. Yeah. Yeah. I was way off. Um, yeah. One other example the book gives of the tyrant is uh, General Patton from like World War Two. Okay. And and it's funny, it's interesting because like Well, lots of generals probably fall into the category. Well, yeah, but I mean instances of like they you know, they were they always the tyrant in every aspect of what they had to do? No. They were had many right. layers to them and many sides. But but the way that history remembers. Or, I mean, this is even just one specific instance where, like, Patton, where he would go and visit a soldier's hospital, you know, and, like, give out medals to people, particularly, that were visibly wounded. But I think a story that the book cites is, like, you know, one soldier was had shell shock, basically. Mm-hmm. And Patton, like, basically is very aggressive and, like, to snap out of it in the less calm and friendly way basically like it's bullshit get your ass up wow kind of thing right and yeah and that's an example of like that kind of toxic leader where right you know you're just suck it up and go and do it and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter you know that kind of that kind of shit um so <clears throat> the truth though is that anybody can show up in an aspect of these archetypes and it doesn't necessarily mean that like that's the only aspect of the archetype that they show up in because human beings are multidimensional. And so hopefully you are exhibiting all four of these archetypes in some way, some healthy way, you know what I mean? And then chances are you're not, you know, you're going to have, Oh, I'm I'm in the shadow aspect of the magician, which Mm -hmm. means this and like, Oh, how can I lean into the actual healthy, mature magician? And it's like stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you're going to present all of these. This isn't like an Enneagram where like, you will have a number mm. and then a wing. This is. But it is like the Enneagram in the sense that Enneagram has like these kind of tiers of evolution within mm. your number. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. It's well, like, I wouldn't even say, well, yes, your number, but not like your type. Like every like masculine person has access to. All right. four types. Like yes. you will present all four types. Um, so it's like, yeah, in, in this type, you're where are you, you know, tiered in this type? Where mm-hmm. are you tiered in that type? And in which situations does your tyrant mm. come out and decide it's going to drive the car? You know? Yeah. And in which situations oh. are you able to be in that like balanced king, mature aspect? Yeah, and it's interesting after I read this to see, think of which ones I naturally slide into and which ones are harder, which is kind of cool too. Mm. Yeah. Are you going to tell us? Uh, no, because I don't have that off the top of my head. Wow. All right, next type. What type? We go, you did king. Want to do warrior? Warrior. Warrior. Because here's the thing. As feminine beings, mm. we move through the four archetypes of femininity with Mm. the moon. And so we can think about it like a life cycle, like you're in your maiden. Well, it, yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. It Mm -hmm. sounds like a life cycle where like you, you are more likely to start off in the maid, like go through them in this order. hundred percent. And then also because the microcosm is the macrocosm is the microcosm is that in the, 
different aspects of the way that the moon moves and the way that the moon moves feminine energy, we show up in those archetypes in a month cycle, which is why we have moon cycles. So if we think about like the, the time that is, you know, where the most fertile Mm. is going to be the mother archetype. So ovulation is mother archetype, kind of an example. So to look at the king, um, and when I look at masculine archetypes, and I think about the concept of polarity, and how like, this energy balances out Mm. this energy, that high level of the king aspect does really well with wise woman crone Mm. energy, like, you know, so we can like use the um, I mean, of course, it's probably the shadow aspect of the crone and of the king in the Sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, yeah. Prince of Thieves. And yet, if they were both moved over into their light aspect, that is mm. the king and the crone working together yeah. to make the you know prosperity and growth of right. the kingdom. It's like grandparents. It's like grandparents. <laughs> Totally like grandparents, It's like honey. lizards. It's just like us lizards. We call ourselves the lizards because of this silly meme. Um, There's this wonderful meme. It's, where it's so it's, good. It's, it's, the, the wording is when you're talking to your grandparents about what you're doing in your life and they... On FaceTime. Uh, or, yeah, and they have no idea what you're talking about, but they're being supportive. And it's just two... It's just two lizards. Two lizards just staring right staring at the camera. Staring at the camera. So every time Luna comes over, we like, and we're both staring at her. It's like, oh, visiting the lizards. <laughs> the lizards are just staring at her. Anyway, we're the lizards. The we king are. and the wise woman. <laughs> king lizard. <laughs> okay. Can I call you the lizard crone? Please, definitely call me the lizard crone. That sounds so amazing. That's awesome. All right. So for warrior. So let's go to warrior. All right. You want let's do the boy energy for the the warrior. Mm. Oh, we're not. Let's go with. Okay, let's go with warrior. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Boy energy warrior. Boy energy warrior. Okay. The boy hero mm-hmm. is the boy equivalent of the warrior. This is like a more adolescent energy. This is like leaping before you look, you know, thinking you're invincible. It's like beating the you know, beehive with a stick type of energy. Sort of. No, it's it's not that kind of like, I mean, yeah, maybe. It'd be more like, you know, if you're out with your buddies and your friends running through the woods, right? Just playing in the woods and they're hit. Oh, there is a creek. I bet you I can jump across it. No, you can't. Yes, I can. And you just go to try and mm. maybe you don't succeed. And it's like, I'm not going to think, I'm going to do. I'm going to definitely going to do it because there's not a doubt in my mind of what I can't do. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so, yeah, it's like. So, that is the immature warrior. That's energy. the immature warrior energy. Yeah. Can you think of any characters or people that I might have thought of or that you can think of? Luke Skywalker. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Early on, Luke Skywalker is mm-hmm. definitely like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I said. Maverick from Top Gun. Jesus Christ. Okay. Which, uh, dude, I've heard that the new movie has gotten pretty good reviews. 
So I'll see it by myself and then... I'll go see it. No, not with that attitude, you're not. But no, I don't no. like Tom Cruise. Then we're not, you're not funking up my Top Gun <laughs> afternoon with this. I'm going to go by myself and I'm going to have a blast. <clears throat> and I'm going to come back talking about how I'll awesome go see it is. the Elvis movie at the same time. Okay, it's fine. Okay. And then we'll both go see the Nick Cage movie. Great. Sounds like a plan. Um, I thought of Han Solo. It's kind of like that. Okay. I also thought of early Thor, like Thor in the first movie. Like when he and his buddies go invade Jotunheim. Oh yeah! Like his early like, he definitely yep. has the boy hero he does. energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely, and it's like a more adolescent. You know, this is definitely a up until twenty seven, twenty eight, <laughs> hopefully, kind hopefully. of energy. Fingers right, crossed. and it's yeah. So the two shadow aspects are the grandstanding bully and the coward. Mm-hmm. So the grandstanding bully is like. You are using this solely to impress and be superior. Biff. Biff is good. Yeah. Which is funny because for the coward, I thought of George McFly. Yeah. Yeah. Which it could, could makes kind it of makes sense. Because they would. Um, yep. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's all about, you know, what does the bully do? The bully tries to exert dominance for its sake and over people he deems weaker. Biff mm-hmm. is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And jo- whereas George McFly is very reluctant to stand up for himself or others throughout most of the movie until like he has this kind of moment. But like George McFly through most of that movie is the coward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So warrior, immature warrior energy can go to being a passive coward or an active kind of bully show off type of, energy mm-hmm. and that young warrior boy hero um can be reckless mm-hmm. dangerous yeah, like this is like there's a great quote in the book that says like when you read the stories of the hero slaying the dragon to save the princess the story ends there because the hero doesn't know what to do with the princess after that part after of the, story. the slaying <laughs> of the dragon yeah right okay yeah, yeah. yeah. makes sense yeah. okay so for the warrior, this is, should be easy. Can you think of a warrior that I would think of? Of like a ma- like of a, a mature, grown up, mature. Grown up, positive. Yes, that the warrior. Appropriate Captain America. Yeah, yep, that's what I thought. <laughs> I just wrote Cap. Appropriately aggressive, clarity of thinking. You know, assess- sweet buns. <laughs> Yes, sweet buns. Sweet buns yep. on that list. No. No. Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, you you know, appropriately <gasps> use of force. Okay. Um, so the two shadow parts are as the sadist and the masochist. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. You have to break that down. Well, I mean, the sadist is is using the power for cruelty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like using this kind of commanding presence to be critical and to create distance mm. between either friends, family, community, right? Mm-hmm. You're using it to kind of separate yourself from others. And that distance is making you feel either superior or in charge, or you think that's how you should lead kind right. of thing. I only thought of one example. And I think the book says it. it's, do you ever see that movie, the great Santini No. with Robert Duvall? It was a Pat Conroy book. I was supposed to read the book, I think, in high school, summer reading, 
and mom rented me the movie instead. It was a good movie. Robert Duvall was in it. It was pretty good. Basically, Robert Duvall plays, he plays like the great Santini. I think the book's point of view is the son. And the dad, Robert Duvall, is a like Marine Corps pilot. Okay. And he like runs the family like a Marine Corps unit. And it's very kind of distant, kind of aggressive, and to the sun. And it's like the sun's dealing with that. And I remember the movie. I remember watching the movie and thinking that, you know, Duvall is very, like, very, very aggressive. That's This is his, the sadist. Yes, this is the sadist. Yeah. yeah, this is like using the power that you have over those, over others for cruelties. Cruelty, cruelty intimidation, and, control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's the... Okay. Now, the masochist is the other side of that, where they are unable or unwilling to, like, defend themselves from something like that. Mm. Almost like the weakling. Yeah. Like the grown-up weakling, essentially. Right. But even mm. more so, because I guess if, like, the weakling has grown up not learning anything like that, anything like, like to be assertive or defend themselves kind of thing, they are more willing to just kind of accept this masochism, this mm. cruelty, this punishment yep. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Can you okay. think of anyone? I can't think of any characters. Um, hmm. I had one and then it floated away out of my brain. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think of like probably sidekicks would be put in this category. Like um, LeFou. LeFou. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, I think that Lefou. I think that it probably that that particular shadow aspect of the warrior probably doesn't show up mm. quite as much, yeah, uh, culturally. In uh, and I'm just trying to think if there is um, a more contemporary example, and I and I can't think of one off the top of my head. Oh, Lefou's a good one. That's a good example. Because yeah. I mean, why does LeFou with Gaston. Right. We're, we're never told why. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, he loves him. Right. And well, he get, yeah, he gets treated very badly yeah, by very him. Very poorly. Very poorly. Yeah. So, okay. I can imagine that the warrior archetype would be one of the harder ones for you to step into. Yeah. 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 I mean, even if I'm like, obviously I wasn't there when you were, a young man. Um, but I can't imagine you. I definitely can't imagine you in those roles of kind of like, uh, you know, watch me see what I can do, see how I can win. Like blah, blah, blah. Not that, I mean, you're the more competitive of the two of us and that's just not saying very much. Yeah. If we're pushing pieces of cardboard around the table, I mean, rolling dice, does that even count? <clears throat> wow, you just called me out. What? How did I call you out? I can't see you being a warrior. I that is not <laughs> what I said. <laughs> I, I said that's the harder one for you to step into. Um, yeah, I mean, I can think of a couple of instances where I've seen you step into it, and um, mm. it it is very much in its light aspect of coming to the aid of a cause, a uh, moral rightness. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <clears throat> Almost insufferable. What? No. No way. Oh, okay. 
No way. I mean, the the closest it got to like, oh shit, I might have to leave. What's <laughs> when we were at trivia that oh. night? <laughs> Let's not tell the story now. And I'm not going to tell that story now. However, you did step into the warrior archetype in that moment. And you had every right to, and you were 100% in like the light aspect, not the shadow aspect. Okay. Thanks. Of the mature warrior. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's almost 40 at the time, for uh-huh. God's sake. All right. Moving on. Magician? Magician. Magician's next. Magician, I think, is the more obscure archetype. Yeah. We don't this talk is the one. a lot about. Oh, but I wanted to say that I think that the warrior archetype, interestingly enough, people, I think, want the warrior to be best suited for the maiden. Okay. And if we're talking about polarity mm. and um, where the energies come together and complement one another, it would actually be the mother, I think. Oh, so okay. when your warrior energy meets my mothering energy that is an easeful space Mm. for us to be in in our relationship because you know you are you know active protective wanting to make sure that everyone is safe and taken care of and you know i'm doing the nurturing mothering type of energy um yeah so before we move on to magician, I wanted to say that. <clears throat> okay. Word. So with magician, the boy magician is the precocious child. <laughs> That's it, fun. It is fun. Um, so this is like very eager to learn, always asking why, very curious, uh, sometimes seemingly very smart or inquisitive, maybe someone who seems intelligent, maybe too intelligent to be so young, maybe too intelligent for their own good kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. I thought of Jesus in well, the story in the temple <laughs> when he's like 12. Like mm-hmm. he he and I think Mary and Joseph go to the temple in like Jerusalem uh-huh. for whatever reason. And it's like this big crowded place. He gets lost like a kid in the fucking mall and they're looking for him and they see him like sitting down talking with like some rabbis and scholars and like hanging on his own, like asking good questions and debating stuff. And I think that's that's the point is like, how are you smart enough, wise enough to be discussing what you are on this level? Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Okay. What the hell? What's so funny? I'm only laughing because the, the example that came into my mind of this precocious child energy was way more lowbrow than uh, what is your it? I bet you, example. I bet you I can think of what it is. Really? Is it young Sheldon Cooper? No. Oh, that's a pretty good example, though. It is a good example. Yeah. What were you going to say? Kevin McAllister. Oh, okay. Yep. That's cool. Yep. So the questions, hmm. he wants to like be with the big kids. He, everyone mm-hmm. is annoyed by him and wants, and then he's okay. a little smart mouthed at times, too. Right. Yeah. Yep. I like yep. That. Ends up home alone. <laughs> Jesus is home alone on Christmas. <laughs> um, another thing, another person I thought of for a character for the precocious child is: Have you ever read Ender's Game? No. 
It's a really good book. Basically, I think it's distant future, distant Earth, and Earth needs like planet, you know, planetary or space pilots to defend from this invasion of aliens. Mm-hmm. And Ender is the name of the main character, and he is like super smart, very capable, and can fly. Like, can very good pilot, and is very adept at his training, and becomes very good pilot. Mm. But he's kind of like the same thing. He's very young, but very smart and very capable. Really good book. Because like there was a whole other side of that book. Because he has a sister and a brother. And they're like back at home while he is off training. And like they are geniuses. And the brother is like a psychopath. And the sister is like super smart. And they like are writing political pamphlets as other as like adults and trying to manipulate like the system. It's wow. so good. Yeah. They made a movie with um, Harrison Ford was in it and oh, he's in sex ed. Asa Butterfield. He was Ender. Aww. And I don't think the movie was very good. I don't think it got great reviews, but the book is definitely good. Um, so the two shadow parts of the precocious child are the know-it-all trickster mm. and the dummy. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, no. So where does Anakin Skywalker fall in? Oh, I put him in the boy warrior. In okay. The, whatever it was, I got to go back to my notes. You don't think that he falls in... Well, I mean, in theory, people move through all of these archetypes. Right. I put so. teenage Anakin Skywalker in the boy I'm hero. I'm of little boy Anakin Skywalker oh. in the prequels. Little boy Anakin Skywalker? Yeah. I don't know. I've seen that movie the least. Okay. Kind of like it the least. Yeah. You know what's sad is that when those movies came out, I wanted to like them more than I actually did. Like, I wanted to really love The Phantom Menace, but I left the theater, like, flat. Like, I wasn't, like, super dejected, and I wasn't super jazzed. I was like, huh. Eh. And then it got super hate online. You know, it got super, you know, a lot of hate. No, none of the prequels, I mean, even Attack of the Clones. Revenge of the Sith, I think, I think, is better. But they got a lot of, especially Hayden Christensen, poor kid. I know. Who, like, was ripped apart for his flat performance of Anakin Skywalker. I always felt bad because I thought the writing was weak. It wasn't his fault. But he got so much flack for it. And I can't say that I was, like, a super fan of his when those came out. Like, I think the definitely younger generation, that was, like, their thing. Like, mm-hmm. when that came out, I was, like, 22, 21. And if you were... Seven, eight, nine, ten. When those came out, that is like your Star Wars, right? I am just saying, with the new Obi Wan show that's coming out, Hayden Christensen is in it. Yeah, and I am super just love all the love that he's getting because all those kids that saw these movies twenty years ago are now like adults and are all like our Anakin Skywalker. You know, this is our Star Wars and it's back kind of thing. So I don't know. I just love that, and I just had to say something. I love it too. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um. So the know-it-all trickster, this is like definitely, this would be Kevin McAllister in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like definitely too smart for their own good. Yep. Very charming. Yep. Uh, very witty. Likes to pull pull pranks. Mm-hmm. Maybe has to be the funniest person in the room at all times, even at the expense of someone, something. Mm-hmm. I thought of Loki. Yeah. From the MCU. It's kind of like an obvious one. I hear the word trickster. I just think of Loki. Yeah. Um, that's all who I thought of, though. I couldn't think of anyone else. Well, I think that it's interesting because um, when I was thinking about the immature archetypes or the young archetypes, 
version of masculine energy. I was thinking about how they're all kind of represented in the characters. And I know that you don't like this movie or you just don't want to watch it with me whenever I want to watch it. Uh, Stand By Me. Oh, I don't mind that movie. And you can see all of Mm. those archetypes show up in that like group. Yeah, the four boys. Of boys. Yeah. Watch that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't dislike it. Why do I think that you dislike it? I don't know. It's got some great performances. Uh, It's one of the best movies in the whole world. Yeah, it has great. River Phoenix in it. It does. Pick up him in so much. He's terrifying in that movie. He's terrifying in The Lost Boys. Uh huh. He's also equally terrifying, although not the main villain in A Few Good Men. Yeah, plays was he like terrifying in Young Guns. No, no, he was Doc Sherlock. Ooh, I bet you Young Guns has all of these. Archetypes in them. This is interesting. We usually watch movies and think of what the Enneagram characters are. We should do this. Now we're going to go to archetypes. Archetypes. I love it. Both dudes and chicks. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I couldn't. Nah, I'm sorry. I know. You have to just say the things that are going to make me have to close my eyes. Dudes and babes. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) All right. um, So the dummy is. Kind of like the trickster, but they want they they appear unintelligent. Unintelligent, maybe. And the book even implies like sometimes on purpose. On purpose, right? I don't know if they were like labeled as dumb and then just are kind of like saying, "Well, I've been called this, so I guess I am." So I must right. well play or this sometimes part. Sometimes it's like if I'm dumb, then I get to abdicate responsibility. Yeah, or if I'm dumb quote unquote and i screw up there's right. no expectation less for me to, less yeah less pressure yeah mm-hmm. couldn't think of anyone actually i thought of i thought of biff when uh, i was really reading this sure which could fit in because because everybody has all the archetypes everyone has all of them yeah biff can yeah. fit in to that um, yeah it's true yeah. um well i mean it's kind of like the characters that are the you know, sometimes the punchline or the... Yeah. Yeah. I think that... Like, they're not often the main character or... Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you so say... So, in the, in the archetype of the magician... Yeah. The magician? In the, in the archetype of the young magician... Young magician, the precocious We child. have that, like, intelligence, precociousness, curiosity, sometimes at, like you know, risk of seeming arrogant or too big for their britches mm. kind of thing. Um, or, you know, to their own peril in some scenarios. And uh, risk, willing to take risk, like a lot of risk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. think that's a common thing with a lot of these immature archetypes mm-hmm. is the maybe willingness to not even weigh risk. Right which makes them more likely to take risks. I'm thinking of, what was it, the adolescent warrior? Right. You know, the Mavericks and the Han Solos, the shoot first and ask questions later kind of thing. Yeah, Like, I can jump this ravine or, you know, be evil Knievel. (laughs) (laughs) So the magician, which Mm -hmm. I was always very curious when I started this 
book. I'm like, what is the magician? And it's basically the, the, the guide, the teacher, you know, the, mm-hmm. the sage. So I go right to Obi-Wan. Yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Merlin, you know, like the hero will have the mentor yeah. figure. Yeah. Yoda. Yoda. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, the story, the, the, the book tells a good story about a guy, the writer interviewed about when you slide into the magician archetype, he was saying that this man was driving on a snowy road and he was kind of going down a hill in his car and noticed that up ahead at the stop sign, a car was stopped. As he's driving down the hill, he hits a patch of ice and he starts like the brakes lock. He starts to skid out and he's like, oh my God, what do I, what do, I do? And he said like time stopped or time slowed down. Mm-hmm. And I realized, okay, I'll just pump the brakes try to direct my car to the right off the road and not have a almost like head on like a direct rear impact a direct hit, direct yeah. hit. he's like and he's like time slowed down i knew exactly what i was going to do and he was able to execute mm. and it's like that's a great example of sliding into the magician the archetype magician. at a yeah. time of emergency you know not like at a, a less critical juncture so right. to speak but those moments where emergency happens or something happens and you can almost like that natural take a breath go through like the next steps kind Mm -hmm. of thing yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the magician archetype is like definitely one of my favorites not surprising considering like you know hot for teacher (laughs) I'm speechless yeah, this is the one you like me the most in because I'm a fucking nerd. Is that it? Well, and the way that you teach me things. You Thinking know. about your previous comment. <laughs> um, <laughs> the way that you teach me things is... So anyway, so some characteristics of the magician. Characteristics of a magician. <laughs> um, it's having that special training, quote unquote, and this could just mean maybe not like that you need special training, but when you are doing something that you're good at or something that you're very comfortable with, you slide into that teacher, mentor, guide role. And very, I think very rarely when you are if you're performing a task that you're proficient in and teaching it to others, it's not just about the task. Right. So that's why I think the magician is, you know, it's not just about what you're teaching. Like, I'm not just going to teach you how to do this specific thing. Right. Like you are, you are learning way more when you're watching someone do something they're good at than just the skill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The other cool thing it said, this is where you have your bullshit detector. Yep. Which is great. This is like when you can read people, mm-hmm. you can sense sense motive, like in RPGs. You can totally sense motive. Sense motive, sense yep. intention. Like a good magician, you'd be able to read the energy of the room and yeah. the people around you and in the space. Yeah. You'd have you'd be tuned in. Tuned in. Tuned in. Like it. All right. So the shadow aspect of the magician is the detached manipulator Oof. and the denying innocent one. These sound like wow. heavy metal songs. Denying innocent. Okay. 
All right. Detached. Detached manipulator. Manipulator. This is like the toxic teacher. This is like the teacher that almost teaches through cruelty, control, fear. Uh, Very Saturnian. Yeah. Maybe like. Sage on the stage. Yeah. I know and you don't know. Yes. And my knowing is, you know, kind of reserved for my specialness. Right. Learning not to teach it to others, but a more selfish, where you are just learning it for yourself to be superior to others. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought of Saruman from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, definitely. Where like he is definitely delving into the lore of the ring because he wants to be on the side of Sauron and not, you know, not like, oh, this knowledge may be good for the good guys to have kind of thing. No, he's delving into the dark arts, so to speak. Now, for the denying innocent one, I thought of Severus Snape. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So, the denying innocent one, quote in the book, it says, he does not want the task of helping others in the careful step-by-step way that is a necessary part of every initiation. He does not want to be a steward of a sacred space. He doesn't want to know himself, and he certainly doesn't want to make the great effort necessary to become skilled at containing and channeling power in constructive ways. Oh. Yeah. This is why I thought Snape, because, like, he doesn't, like, the power and what he wants is almost to hold over others. Like, he really wants that power. It, it seems like to me that that part of the shadow aspect is like, I want power, but I don't want responsibility. Mm. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to say that, like, I know other people don't know, and I'm not going to be responsible for what other people don't know because they're idiots. Well, yeah, you said exactly right. It's, It's about not wanting the responsibility. Yeah. Of being a teacher or being a mentor. Right. Just kind of wanting the knowledge. Well, and it can be kind of wet noodly teaching too, in the aspect where whatever the other one was called that I can't remember already. Mm. The Saruman. Oh, the manipulator? The manipulator would be I mean, I of course go to like spiritual teaching context oh, yeah. because this You have is... a much more realistic <laughs> right, I, I have not made up. Yeah. Right, so like in spiritual you have a communities, to talk about or in actual people, <laughs> there are a ton of people who would fit into that. Like, um, I know everything, and I'm superior because I know these things, and I will teach you these things. But it's unlikely that you will ever be able to teach these things because you're not going to be able to get to my level. Mm. And so that sage on the stage comes into play and you can't question me. You can't um, argue with me because what I am saying is the way. Yeah. And then the other end of that in spiritual communities would be like, well, you know, we're just going to spiritually bypass everything because I don't want to actually have a real opinion that matters. Mm. I'm going to tell you all this, these things that I know. And when you have a legitimate question or concern, it's almost like I'm going to gaslight you because I'm not going to take responsibility for having an opinion. Oh. I'm not going to take responsibility for making a claim or a statement. And so yeah. that's where the magician in the shadows aspects show up in spiritual communities. Oh. So is it almost like 
what people say they don't get political. Yes. They don't want, I stay out of politics. I think so. Where they can kind of hedge their bets almost and say, and try to not pick a side. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's just that it's that shadow aspect of like, I'm unwilling to stand firm in mm. a conviction yeah. about something. Right. I'll make blanketed statements so that I sound really profound and very uh, intelligent, but I don't have like the nuts to back it up. <laughs> it's amazing. This other quote that I think I tried to find in my brain, but I couldn't said the innocent one hides truth for the sake of achieving and maintaining his own precarious status. While the trickster aims at necessary deflation of grandiosity, the shadow magician, as both manipulator and innocent one, works at deflating us when such deflation is not only unnecessary, but harmful. Yep. Yeah. That would make sense. Yep. And gaslighting sounds. It sounds like gaslighting, too. Yeah, it does. All right, last but not least. Last. The best for last. (laughs) Not. Hello, my lover. Hello, my lover. Hello, my lover. The lover. Uh, so the boy energy, the boy lover. <laughs> okay. It's got to be a better way. It's got to be a better way to say that. Uh, the Oedipal child. Uh, of course. Of course. I'm, I didn't think of it. The mother else. lover. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a hot episode. Let's think of a good name. Episode hot mother. <laughs> I kind of sleepy aha. It does. We should rewatch that episode of Arrested Development. It's oh really my funny. god! Uh, so the Oedipal Child. Now the two shadow aspects of the oh, Buster. Yeah, yeah. Shadow aspect of the Oedipal Child is the Mama's Boy mm-hmm. and the Dreamer. Mm. I'm going to lay some fictional characters on you. Okay. So for the Mama's Boy, I thought of JD from Scrubs, Zach Braff's character. Yep, makes sense. He they like they want to be with someone they want to find a partner um but they can't fulfill like none of the relationships they try to have are end up being fulfilling yeah and i also thought of norman bates uh as one would (laughs) as a mama's boy for this category best example of a mama's boy best example yep uh and the dreamer i thought of leonard hofstetter oh leonard right because I mean, what is his quote at the end of the very first episode when he sees Penny? He says, our children will be smart and beautiful. Yes. And he is just projecting that. He is just dreaming about that. A lot of the relationship that he does sort of pursue, but not with any real success at first or confidence. Mm. Um, but it's definitely in the dream state. Like he has this image or visualization of what this relationship is going to be mm-hmm. almost without even acknowledging who penny is mm-hmm. in the beginning mm-hmm. which is hilarious because as the show goes on and like they get married we've often like when we've rewatched that show we've commented on how their relationship totally changes and not for the better yeah and maybe right. that's like a good representation of that where he wants to pursue her and because he has this ideal Maybe mm-hmm. doesn't even really accept or learn about her enough to accept her. And then it's kind of like, just whatever. We're married. Right. You know, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Either way, it's like 
the inability to, it's like, it's like about not learning about your partner. Is that kind of it? Or like pursuing an ideal sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it sounds like the shadow goes in either direction of like, if we're talking about the oedipal child and uh, a relationship with your primary caregiver and whatever that is, either it's like comparing to that and not being able to find a partner that matches the expectation that your primary caregiver has put out there for better or worse, there's an expectation. And then the other end of it is like dreaming. So outside of what that primary Mm, caregiver would be like, or act like, or treat you like, well, I mean, that's Leonard's mother right there. I mean, However, like at the underneath the surface, they are both super critical of him. So it's like mm. he he was so connected to the fantasy of Penny, yeah. who was the opposite on the surface of his mother in mm. every way, except at the at the core of it, the way that they interact with treat him, mm. you know, yeah. it was the same. I'm gonna say Elvis. Presley. For which one? Yeah. The mama's boy? A hundred percent. Yeah? Yep. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Only, I mean, why? Um, I mean, he absolutely was a mama's boy, and that's kind of like a, you know, it's like a notorious thing. Oh, that, I didn't know. Um, yeah. And I think that... I'd, a component about the lover in the shadow aspect that we don't talk about a lot is that ultimately, whether it's in the immature version or the mature version, there is this deep sense of searching for meaning. Mm, Yeah. Searching for a bigger connection, a deeper connection that then is just within yourself. Mm. And when a person can't find a deep sense of meaning, they distract themselves with pleasure. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, um, uh, the shadow parts of the mature lover talk a lot about addiction. Yeah. And about like right. self-soothing kind of thing. Right. And in the childlike or the immature version, um, it would be like distracting, you know, distracting yourself with fantasy distracting yourself with things that are just out of reach, just out of, um, you know, just out of touch with reality. Yeah. And then that grows into without, like you grow into this older version of the lover without growing out of that chasing of. Oh yeah. Well, the, the mature, healthy lover is not necessarily all about relationships. Right. It's more about like passion and creativity, empathy, and like connectedness to, to all things. Yeah. Kind of thing, which again, like going into this chapter, I'm like, well, I think I have a good handle on what this is going to be about. And then almost the first sentence is like, it's not all about that. It's about, you know, connection to everything, not just like a, a partner. Kind of right. Thing. And if you don't feel like you have a deep sense of connection or meaning at that level, then 
there is pleasure chasing, which can look like, you know, the lover in the aspect that we would all jump to assuming, which is like, you know, all the intimacy stuff, mm. all of the physical seeking of, of pleasure. Mm. Um, so the two shadow aspects of the lover are the addicted lover mm-hmm. and the impotent lover. Mm-hmm. So for addicted lover, I went straight to like James Bond and Don Juan. Yeah, of course. Because it's like, what are, they, what are they famous for? Right. Betting women and betting <laughs> shooting <laughs> and shooting bad guys. <laughs> betting women. Yeah. Notches in their belts. <laughs> yep. Shooting commie bastards. Wow. Well, in the early James Bonds, communist Soviet Union was still around. Really? Yeah. The movies were from the 60s. I don't know if I can pay attention to any of those you, movies. You don't. Yeah, I don't. That's fine. Um, but this is like one of the characteristics is like loneliness, chronic loneliness. Which loneliness is really just the absence of deep connection mm-hmm. and sense of meaning. Like man's search for meaning. Yeah. If we're not finding meaning, right. then Which we're like, filling that yeah. void. Book plug. If you haven't read that book, we're filling that hole. That book isn't. Jesus Christ. You serious? You made a whole joke sorry. as I'm trying to plug Man's Search for <clears throat> Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I'm sorry. I well, this is great. I've sleep. It overshadowed my use of babes earlier. <laughs> That's the least offensive thing. Or that it happened. just bounced right off of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have an example of the impotent lover? Uh, I don't. But I mean, as far as like the characteristics of one is like the lack of connection, chronically depressed. It's like, whereas I think the addicted lover is depressed and lonely and seeks companionship, however meaningless Mm -hmm. and however many impotent lover is depressed and lonely, but withdrawals shuts down down completely. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a lot of also self soothing, right. You know, addiction. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I can see that. And again, I think like there probably there probably are not a whole lot of like main character James Bond type of examples of that because it's an aspect of masculinity that we don't talk a lot about in our culture. Yeah. And you say that and I just thought of this movie. Have you ever heard of the Nick Cage movie adaptation? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I don't know if I remember it very well. Uh, we have it on something. We do? We do. Huh. I love that movie. It's hmm. such a good movie. But Nick Cage plays twin screenwriters. Hmm. And the main one, I mean, it's based on Charlie Kaufman, who wrote, like, uh, Being John Malkovich. Okay. And, I mean, he Charlie Kaufman wrote this movie. Uh, I can't think of anything else he's written. But Nick Cage plays a screenwriter in Hollywood who has been given the task of adapting this book called the orchid thief and it's like his struggle to find the story in the book to write it but his character is so lonely so withdrawn has trouble connecting and he actually exhibits a lot of the dreamer where like people he interacts with he has like fantasies about Mm. them Mm -hmm. and doesn't really know how to pursue it and does it poorly and stuff like that i mean we should watch that movie it's a really yeah. It's a really good movie. Yeah, we should watch that movie. Um But yeah, but those char- those are like the anti heroes kind of thing. Right. Where like they're so flawed, they're not, you know mm-hmm. they are protagonists, but they're not like the hero story, mm-hmm. you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I don't think that I mentioned this when we were talking about the magician. The magician? The magician energetically balances out the maiden. Okay. Um, I mean, from your hot for teacher comment, I'm not surprised. I know. <laughs> Shit. We're, well, we're, we're not going to unpack that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and then the enchantress and the lover go together. Okay. Yep. Cool. Because it's not like the enchantress is about understanding and discovering who, you know, the who the feminine is and how the feminine expresses outside of the role of mother mm. and prior to oh, the okay. role of wise woman. And if And the, so the, it, it it can be about like those same kind of themes like seeking meaning, seeking something yeah. deeper, passion, seeking passions and, yeah. you know, oh, I actually have the time and the space now to cultivate this hobby mm. that I have. So, like, you know, I can see where you're in, like, your lover archetype and I'm in my enchantress archetype when, like, you're playing guitar mm. and I am badly painting something. And <laughs> we're... We're like exploring who we are outside of like an identity and a role mm. and just being in something that is simply for pleasure. Right. Like neither of us are ever going to get paid for either of those things. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to like travel the world with yeah. it's just for pleasure's sake. Mm. And that's what's going on in the light aspect of those archetypes. And the maiden really is seeking, um, you know, exposure to new experiences, wisdom, uh, clarity, new information. And so having a teacher that is in their light aspect is wonderful. And, you know, in another podcast, we could get into what happens when one of those masculine archetypes or feminine archetypes are in their shadow Mm. and they come into contact with the other counterpart because it can be really detrimental. It Mm. can be, you know, um, I mean, in some contexts, it can be toxic, it can be abusive. And so, like, recognizing how our archetypes connect with and interact with others is important, you know. And I also do think that it's important to remember that we all, like, regardless of gender identity, we all have access to these archetypes. And most people have, they say, like, 12, 12 or 13 archetypes that we spin through, Hmm. Um, in our lifetime and sometimes we stay with them until we've learned everything there is and yet these four core stick around hmm. they don't go anywhere but you know yeah so to close it out close it out i have this quote there Ooh. Is, and it and my note in the margin um I it's like when a, you say that sentence <laughs> it's, it's in the the lover chapter when he says the lover keeps the other masculine energies humane, loving, and related to each other and to real life situation of human beings struggling in a difficult world. The king, the warrior, and the magician, as we've suggested, harmonize pretty well with each other. They do so because without the lover, they are essentially detached from life. They need the lover to energize them, to humanize them, and give them their ultimate purpose. Which I thought of, my note is the Jedi. 
Because mm. I think they are the Jedi. Like their fault is they are the fault of the Jedi is they are they don't embrace the lover, or they don't right. like they they kind of like no attachment, no attachment, shut that off. Yeah, when that could give them a better connectedness and empathy to every one. I think I I like like you know I think the Jedi growing up watching these movies are like the heroes, and this mm. is like what what they should be. And I don't know if it was intentional, but they're definitely flawed and not perfect. And I think it's like looking, it's like, yeah, just because they're the heroes doesn't mean they're perfect in every way. Like they definitely have this, this order is not, it's missing some things. So that's like, I read that. I'm like the Jedi, if they just embrace the lover archetype could have been more connected. Well, because the lover is the link to sacred feminine. Mm. That is the, you know, either physiologically linking to the sacred feminine and also energetically bringing it out of the internal experience and out into the world. So when we look at it through like a spiritual teaching lens, often, you know, due to a lot of patriarchy and uh, kind of revering that more stoic, withdrawn masculine energy as being superior. Mm. I think of like Vulcan, right? Like, you know, detached, don't have an emotional reaction when in actuality we are, you know, spiritual beings having a human experience. So if we're not stepping into that embodied and involved part of being in the world and of the world, we're missing a huge piece of yeah. the puzzle. Way to bring it home. Way to bring it home, honey. Nice. So King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette. If All you, the archetypes. If you know a man or are one, I would read it. It's really cool. It's not very long. Or if you just identify with more masculine energy. If you yeah. hear the words like maiden and enchantress and you're like, oh. Yeah, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like if any of like that shit. King and warrior is more your speed. Then go for it. Go for it. It's completely applicable. Yeah. yeah. So for mutual victory, for your slice of mojo. Woo-hoo, this mojo. Is, this is Matt. This is Jeannie. Thanks, everyone.